God is greater. Who is it that we're going to put our confidence in? Sinful man? Or are we going to put our confidence in God, who's holy and who's perfect and who cannot lie? Preaching the old-time gospel. With a fresh anointing to to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. When you think about it, why would we trust untrustworthy people and not trust a holy God who cannot lie? And when it comes to salvation, wouldn't you rather have confidence in what God says rather than man? Today, Brian Tyndall brings a message about salvation, assurance of salvation, from the epistle of 1 John. So let's turn there now, 1 John chapter 5 and beginning at verse 6 for a message entitled, Do You Know That You Have Eternal Life? Here's Brian. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 6 and read through verse 13. And the title of the message today is in the form of a question. And the question is, do you know that you have eternal life? And I'm going to suggest today that there's no greater question that any of us could ask ourselves than that question. And the most important thing that we could ever do in our lives on this earth is not only ask that question, but come to a true biblical answer of that question and make sure that we know that we have eternal life. Now, I realize there's people, a lot of people, that do not even believe in eternal life. There's people that say, Brian, uh, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in life after death. I don't believe in heaven and hell. I believe that all we have is here on this earth, and that when we die physically, that's the end, and there is no eternal life. But I want to tell you today that those people that believe that are wrong. And you say, well, Brian, I know some people that believe that and they believe that with all of their heart. They believe it sincerely. And my friend, I understand that. Uh, we can be sincere and still be sincerely wrong. Because as we read these scriptures today, what we're going to see is that no, not only does God promise us in his word that there is such a thing as eternal life, but he promises us that it's possible for us to know if we have eternal life. But not only are there a lot of people that don't believe in eternal life, there's a lot of people that do believe in eternal life, but they don't believe that you can know for sure that you have eternal life. Several years ago, when I was serving as a missionary in Romania, I had a conversation with a Romanian Orthodox priest. And in the course of our conversation, as we were talking about the scriptures and as we were talking about the gospel, I asked him specifically, uh, and, and he was an Orthodox priest, a leader in the Orthodox church. And I asked him, I said, do you know for sure that you have eternal life? And I'll never forget that he looked at me and very quickly said, uh, I don't believe that you can know that you have eternal life. He said, I hope that I have eternal life. I think that I have eternal life. I pray that I have eternal life. And he said, but I just don't believe that it's possible on this earth for a person to know for sure that they have eternal life. He said, I think that I'm going to have to wait till I die and stand before God. And then, and only then will I know for sure that I have eternal life. And then there's people, uh, not only that don't believe in eternal life, and people that believe in it but don't believe that it's something that we can know for sure that we have right now. But there's also people that believe in eternal life, 
and they believe that it is possible for them to know if they have eternal life, but they're still not sure. Uh, they simply, they believe it's possible to know if they have eternal life, and yet within themselves, there's still doubt. There's still uncertainty. They're still questioning in their mind. And when we're like that, uh, if indeed we do have eternal life and yet we have doubt, we're, we're saved and yet we're not sure of our salvation, uh, Satan can use that to defeat us in this life. He can use it to discourage us and he can use it to cause us to live uh, without victory in this life. And so this is a very important question because it's a question about where we are going to spend eternity. If we're going to go to heaven when we die, if we're going to spend our eternity in the presence of Jesus Christ or separated from Jesus Christ in hell. Because eternal life refers to a person that has experienced the forgiveness and cleansing that comes through Jesus Christ by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and repenting of our sin and Jesus coming into our life, filling us with the Holy Spirit, causing us to be born again by the Spirit of God. He forgives our sin. He washes our sin away and clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. And he gives us salvation that causes us not only to be able to have an abundant life here on this earth, but assures us that when we die physically, that we will go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. That is what eternal life is. And there's just a lot of people that don't have assurance of eternal life. Now let's listen to the Word of God in 1 John chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. The Scripture says, This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is true. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue believing in the name of the Son of God. And so we see here in this passage of Scripture that the Bible not only tells us that there is such a thing as eternal life, but it tells us most definitely that we can know that we have eternal life. In fact, uh, God tells us in these Scriptures that this is the reason these Scriptures were written this is the reason God has preserved this word for us so we can know that we have eternal life. I believe we see some things here in this scripture, some characteristics that people who have eternal life and they know that they have eternal life, they have these characteristics in their life. And so as we look at these today, what I would ask all of us to do is to say, 
Do I have this in my life? Am I believing like this? Are the things that are being described from this passage of Scripture that are true of a person who has eternal life and that are true of a person who knows they have eternal life, do I have those characteristics in my life? And if we don't have these characteristics in our life, then one of two things is true. Either I don't have eternal life, or I have eternal life, but I don't have assurance of that eternal life because I don't have these characteristics applied to my life. And so let's look at the Word of God today, and let's allow the Word of God, and let's allow the Holy Spirit of God to minister His Word and minister His truth to our heart so that when we finish this message today, that we can know that we know that we know that we have eternal life. And if we get through this message and we don't have that assurance, in fact, we know that we don't have eternal life, then let's do something about it before it's eternally too late. The first characteristic I see is in the very first verses there that we began reading in verses 6 through 9. And that characteristic is people that have eternal life have heard and believed and received God's witness and not the witness of man. Let me say that one more time. People that have eternal life and they have an assurance of eternal life are people that have heard and believed and received God's witness and not the witness of man. You see, God has provided a witness about how we can receive eternal life. God has provided a witness about the fact that we need eternal life. And God has provided a witness so that we can be sure that we have eternal life. And yet, there is a opposite witness. There is always a witness that is coming against God, and it's talked about here in this passage of Scripture. We see in verse 7 that there is a heavenly witness. And it says in verse 7, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And so the first witness that we see here is a heavenly witness. And it is a threefold witness that comes from heaven. It is the witness of God the Father. It is the witness of Jesus the Son. And it is witness of God the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, how are these three witnessing about eternal life? Well, God the Father has planned eternal life before the foundation of the world. And Jesus the Son, when he came to this earth 2,000 years ago and was born of a virgin and lived a sinless, perfect life, and then willingly went to the cross and sacrificed his body and shed his blood for the sins of humanity and died and was buried and rose victorious over the dead, Jesus accomplished our salvation. And then God, the Holy Spirit, he ministered that salvation to us. He applied that salvation to us that Jesus had earned, and then he sealed us in that salvation if indeed we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and repented of our sin. And so the threefold witness from heaven is the witness of God the Father who has planned salvation, the witness of Jesus Christ the Son who has accomplished salvation, and the witness of God the Holy Spirit 
who is the one that applies salvation. And notice the end of verse 7 that it says, these three witnesses are one. This is one God in three persons, the triune God, the God of the Bible, and he has witnessed to us from heaven about how he has accomplished eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then the scripture says, not only is there a heavenly witness about eternal life, but there's also an earthly witness that God has given us about eternal life. And we read about it in verse 8, and it says, there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree as one. And so not only do we have a trifold heavenly witness, but we also have a threefold earthly witness that's been given to us by God so that we can know about eternal life and so that we can be sure that we have eternal life ourselves. And this threefold earthly witness is the Holy Spirit and the water and the blood. Now, we know about the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit of God. But the water and the blood, this is a reference to Jesus' death on the cross. You might remember that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, that when he expired, they went over and they pierced his side with a sword. And the scripture says that when they pierced his side, that water and blood flowed freely from that wound in Jesus. And so Jesus not only sacrificed his body on the cross as a substitutionary atonement for our sin, but the scripture is clear that Jesus also shed his blood on the cross. And the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. We know from the Old Testament that there had to be sacrifice of animals. There had to be the shedding of the blood of animals to appease God and to have a temporary covering for the sins of man. But the Bible says that when Jesus came, that uh, he was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He was the perfect Lamb of God. He was the perfect sacrifice without sin, without blemish. And when he was sacrificed on the cross, uh, not only did he give his body, but he shed his perfect blood. But not only did blood flow from that wound, but also water came from that wound. And this is probably also, when it's referring to the witness of water here, it's also probably referring to the very Word of God itself, the Bible, Scripture, because in the Word of God, we're told that we're to be sanctified, that we're to be purified, that we're to be washed through the water of the Word. And so sometimes in the Bible, there is an analogy uh, of the Word of God being water. And so we have these three earthly witnesses, and just like the three heavenly witnesses were one, the Bible tells us in the end of verse 8, that the three earthly witnesses, that is the Holy Spirit and the water and the precious blood of Jesus Christ, it says at the end of verse 8 that these three signs, these three witnesses agree as one. And so what we have here is not only three heavenly witnesses and three earthly witnesses that proclaim everlasting life, that show us how we can have eternal life. And that is only in the person of Jesus Christ. The heavenly witnesses and the earthly witnesses all point to the same thing. And that is for sinful man, 
for those of us that have disobeyed God, for those of us that have been born in sin and separated from God because of our sin, for those of us that have chosen to walk outside of the will of God, which is every person that has ever been born, every person that's on this earth today, and every person that ever will live on this earth other than Jesus Christ. We're all sinners And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. And there's absolutely nothing that we can do once we have sinned to bring ourselves back into a right relationship with God. The Bible says that once we've sinned, we're enemies of God, we're alienated from God. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages or punishment of sin is death And so not only are we all sinners, but we're all under a death sentence. We're all under the penalty of death because of our sin. And without forgiveness, without cleansing, we're going to ultimately die physically and go to hell and be separated from Jesus Christ forever because of our sin. We have no hope whatsoever. And yet the Bible says that even though we've sinned, even though we've broken God's law, even though we're under the penalty and punishment of sin, even though we're on a path that leads to hell, God has provided a way for us to have eternal life. He's provided a way for sinful human beings to receive forgiveness of their sin, to receive cleansing from their sin, and to receive a new life, an abundant life on this earth and an eternal life in heaven. And he's given us a way not only that we can have that eternal life, but he's given us a way so that we can have an assurance that we have that eternal life. And we see that in the witness of God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Holy Spirit as heavenly witnesses, and we see it in the earthly witnesses of God the Holy Spirit, the water and the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's also a deceptive witness, and we read about that witness in verse 9. It says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. And so you can always count on the devil. Every time God has something true to say, Satan is always there with a lie. Every time God's word has something true to say, Satan always is there with a countering word, with a contradictory word. Every time God comes with the truth of the gospel, Satan is always there with a a message or a anti-gospel that is teaching us the wrong thing. And here's the problem. If we believe the witness of God, then we can have eternal life and we can have an assurance of eternal life. But if we don't believe the witness of God, If we don't understand, if we don't hear, if we don't believe, if we don't receive the witness of God, and instead we hear and believe and receive the witness of man, sinful man, lost man, lost humanity, then not only are we not going to have eternal life, but we're certainly not going to have an assurance of eternal life. And let's see why it is that this deceptive witness causes us not to have eternal life and not to have an assurance of eternal life. Because all deceptive witnesses in the world, all of the lost world, all of lost humanity uh, brings a deceptive witness. They deny the written word of God and they deny the living word of God. And that's what Satan has been doing since the very beginning of time. If you remember when Adam and Eve 
were placed in the garden, the first two human beings that God created. He told them, he said, all of this garden is yours and you can have everything that's here. But this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot have the fruit of that tree. And if you take the fruit of that tree and if you eat the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. That was the word of God. That was the witness of God. And yet Satan came to them and he gave them a false witness. He brought them a message that was different than the message that God had delivered to them. And the very first thing that Satan did is he questioned the word of God because Adam and Eve told Satan what God said. And the first thing Satan did was he said, did God really say? And then he began to question the word of God. He began to throw doubt on the word of God. And that's exactly what Satan does today. And he does it through the lost world and he does it through lost humanity. And it can be something like this. Maybe a person has grown up in church uh, as a teenager. They've been in the youth group. They've heard sermons. They've been to Sunday school. They have received the true witness of God. Uh, they've heard the word of God. Uh, they've been convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. And so they have received the true witness about eternal life and how they can have eternal life. And then they go to college and uh, they end up in the room with a with a professor that's not a Christian, and in fact, maybe not only that he's not a Christian, but he's an atheist or agnostic, and he begins to share things in the class that refute the Word of God, that, that attempt to refute Christianity, that attempt to refute what he has been told in the days that he grew up when he was being uh, shared the gospel. And all of a sudden, that student decides that he's going to not only listen to and understand this deceptive message, but maybe he decides this is the message that I'm going to believe. This is the message that I'm going to receive into my life. I'm going to choose to believe the witness of this man. I'm going to choose to receive and believe the witness of this uh, lost person, this atheist, this humanist, rather than to believe the word of God, rather than to believe the gospel. And my friends, when you do that, you will not receive eternal life. Notice what it says in verse 9. The Bible says, God says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. And so we can be sure that the witness of God is always greater than the witness of man. The witness of God is always true and the witness of man is not always true. We, we can't always have confidence in what man says. We can't always be sure of what man says and what man believes and what man teaches. But what God is saying here is you can always be sure about what God says. We can always be sure that God is telling us the truth. And we can base not only this life, but our eternity on the true and everlasting words of God. And in fact, that's what I'm suggesting to you in this point that we're making, that people that have eternal life and people that know that they have eternal life are people that have heard and believed and received God's witness rather than the witness of man. The scripture says here that God's witness is greater than man's witness. God's witness is greater than man's. How can I be sure of that? Well, there's at least a couple of ways 
uh, that we know that God's witness is greater than man's witness. The first one is uh, all human beings are finite and God is infinite. God is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. There's nothing that he cannot do. There's nothing that he does not know. He's infinite. But we as human beings, even those of us that, you know, there may be people that are smarter, that have more intellect, that have a higher IQ, that have more training, that have more education, that have more brilliance. But the fact is, even the smartest person in the world does not have an infinite understanding of everything. Even they have a finite understanding. And I have had encounters with people that said that they were atheists and they were always trying to refute the Word of God and to refute Jesus Christ and to talk people out of believing in eternal life and believing in salvation and believing in the gospel. And as I have talked to those people in my life, uh, what I have tried to show them is is that it doesn't even make logical sense. It doesn't even make intellectual sense that you would be an atheist because an atheist is somebody that says there is no God. He's not just a person that says, I don't believe there's a God. An atheist is somebody who says, I know that there is no God. And the reality is, if an atheist is going to be intellectually sincere, they would have to admit there are many things as a human being that I don't know. And atheists, they have to admit there's many things that they don't know. It doesn't matter how smart they are. It doesn't matter how many things they do know. There is a wealth of information. There is a wealth of things that could be known that they do not know. And then there's a lot of things that we as human beings haven't discovered yet. And so there's still information, there's still knowledge to be learned and gained that no human being has learned yet, but it's going to be discovered in the future. And here is where we understand. If human beings are finite, if human beings are limited in what they know and they're limited in their understanding, then there's no way that they can know for sure that there is no God. Because it's possible that in that great expanse of knowledge, in that great expanse of, of things that we don't know, uh, in that information that we don't know, it could be revealed to us the truth that there is a God. And so we're taking our finite understanding, we're taking our limited understanding uh, and we're saying as a person who's finite, as a person who only understands part of the things that can be understood, as a person that only understands part of all human knowledge or all knowledge that is capable of being known, I'm making a decision based on my finite understanding that there is no God and that the gospel is not true and that there is no eternal life. Well, I don't know about you. But I don't want to take the word of somebody who doesn't know everything. I don't want to take the word of somebody, and I certainly don't want to base my eternal life. I don't want to base whether I spend eternity in heaven or hell. I don't want to base my relationship with God on what somebody says that doesn't know everything that there is to know. And that's what God is saying here in that verse. He's saying there's the witness of man and there's the witness of God. And God's witness is greater than the witness of man. And one of the reasons it's greater is because man is finite and God is infinite. 
But the second reason God's witness is greater is that man is sinful and God is holy. God is perfect. He does nothing wrong. He cannot lie. The very nature of God is that he must always be truthful. And the very nature of man is that he's a sinner. And we don't, even somebody that's not religious, it would be hard for them to argue against this because as we look at people in the world, as we, as we observe uh, history, as we observe evidence of people around us, we see that even the best people, even those that may have high morals and high ethics and, uh, and be generally good people, we see that nobody's perfect. We see that all people make mistakes. All people fail. All people have sin in their life. And so God is greater. Who is it that we're going to put our confidence in? Sinful man that may have an agenda, that may have ulterior motives, that may lie, that may not tell us the truth? Or are we going to put our confidence in God who's holy and who's perfect and who cannot lie? And so this is our choice. And what I'm suggesting to you today from the Word of God is that if we want to know that we have eternal life, and if we want to have an assurance of that eternal life, then we need to be people that have heard and believed and received the witness of God rather than the witness of finite, sinful man. Number two, we see that people that have eternal life and that have an assurance of eternal life are those that have the witness of the Holy Spirit living in them. You see, if we have eternal life and we have an assurance of that eternal life, one of the characteristics of people that are like that is that they have the witness of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. And we see that in verse 10. It says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. But what does it say there in verse 10? He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. And what is this witness that those who have eternal life, what is this witness that those who have an assurance of eternal life, what is this witness that they have in them? It is the witness of the Holy Spirit himself. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there, but the Holy Spirit dwelled in the temple. The Holy Spirit dwelled in the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit dwelled in the Holy of Holies. He dwelled in a building. He dwelt in a place. But in the New Testament, we see that the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit no longer dwells in temples made by human hands. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, no longer dwells in brick-and-mortar buildings, in brick-and-mortar temples. But the Scripture says that now that Christ has come and that Christ has sacrificed himself on the cross and that Christ has made a way for sinful man to have eternal life, now that Jesus has done that, the Holy Spirit no longer dwells in buildings, but he now dwells in the hearts and lives of those that have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. You see, now... A saved person, a person who has received eternal life, has the Holy Spirit of God living within their body, living within their life. In fact, Romans 8.16 says this, The Spirit himself, that is the Holy Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God. So that's one of the characteristics of people that have eternal life. And it's one of the characteristics of people that not only have eternal life, but that have an assurance of eternal life. And that is that they have the Holy Spirit of God living in them, and that Holy Spirit is bearing witness with their spirit continuously that they do have eternal life, and he's giving them an assurance of that eternal life. You see, the Holy Spirit plays a very important role in eternal life. The Holy Spirit, according to the Bible, is the one that convicts us of our sin. He's the one that shows us and reveals to us that we're a sinner and causes us to be convicted and be guilty of our sin. The Holy Spirit is also the one that convinces us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the one that convinces us that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's also the one that draws us to salvation. He's the one that draws us into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I think a lot of people believe, well, I will come to God. I'll receive eternal life when I'm ready. I'll do it on my terms and, and when I'm ready to do it. But the Bible says that that's not how we receive eternal life. The Bible says that we don't come to God in the flesh, that we don't come to God in our timing. The Bible says that the only one that can come to God is the one that's drawn through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. He convinces us of Jesus Christ. He draws us into salvation. And the Holy Spirit is also the one that seals us for eternity. The scripture teaches in more than one place that a person that has been saved through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ is now sealed with the Holy Spirit. And as we walk through this life as a Christian, as a believer, as somebody that has put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are filled and dwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And His Spirit is continually witnessing, bearing witness to our spirit that we have indeed put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we have indeed confessed our sin, and that we have indeed been born again by the Spirit of God. So a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they can't have eternal life. And a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit isn't going to have a confidence, isn't going to have an assurance of eternal life. And they don't have an assurance because they're not saved. And so today we see how important it is from this passage of Scripture that we not only have eternal life, but that we have an assurance of it, that we have a confidence in our eternal life. And so we see, first of all, that people who have an eternal life and that have assurance of eternal life are people that have heard and believed and received God's witness and not man's. They're people that have received the witness and the filling of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is living in them and is bearing witness with their spirit that they are children of God. And then number three, people that have eternal life and have an assurance of eternal life are people that believe in and have received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And we see that in verses 10 through 11. People that have eternal life and have an assurance of eternal life are people that believe in and have received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. It says in verse 10, Who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony of God. 
And then in verse 11, it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, Jesus Christ. And then in verse 12, he who has the Son, he who has Jesus Christ, has life, has eternal life. And he who does not have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not have life. It couldn't be more simple, and it couldn't be more clear, and yet at the same time, it could not be more profound. Those that have eternal life and those that have an assurance of eternal life are those who have put their faith and belief in Jesus Christ and have received him as Savior and Lord. And the Bible says as clearly as it can be stated, those who believe in and who have received Jesus Christ have eternal life. It's not that they might have It's not that they think they have. It's not that they pray they have. It's not that one day they're going to find out if they have. The Bible says that those who believe and who have received Jesus Christ have presently eternal life. And it says equally powerfully that those that do not have Jesus Christ, those that do not believe in Jesus Christ, those that have not received Jesus Christ do not have eternal life. And so the question would be, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? Biblically speaking, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? How can I be sure that I have believed in Jesus Christ? Because the scripture says that if I do believe in Jesus Christ, that I have eternal life and I can have an assurance of eternal life. Well, biblically speaking, in order to believe in Jesus Christ, I first of all must put my faith and trust in Jesus and in Jesus Christ alone as Savior and Lord. It means that I am not believing in any other person. I'm not believing in any other name. I'm not believing in any other religion. I'm not believing in the church. I'm not believing in baptism. I'm not believing in my good works. I'm not believing in anybody or anything other than Jesus Christ. And I'm putting my faith and trust that some 2,000 years ago, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that Jesus Christ came into this world. And I believe that. I believe that he was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless, perfect life on this earth. I believe that he willingly went to the cross and laid down his life as a sacrifice for my sin I believe that he shed his blood, and I believe that it's only the blood of Jesus that can wash me of my sin. I believe that he was buried, that he died for my sin. I believe on the third day that he rose victoriously over death, hell, and the grave. I believe that Jesus Christ is alive forevermore, and I have put my faith and trust in Jesus and in what he did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, and I'm trusting in him and in him alone to be able to save me from my sin and to give me eternal life. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. And then not only that, not only does it mean to put my faith and trust in Jesus, but according to the Bible, in order to believe biblically in Jesus, I not only have to put my faith and trust in him, but I also have to repent of my sin. I have to turn away from my sin. And in fact, Jesus said two different times in the word of God that unless we repent, we would not inherit the kingdom of God. Unless we repent, Jesus said, you will not inherit eternal life. 
And so putting our faith in Christ and in Christ alone and repenting of our sin is essential to biblically believing in Jesus Christ. And repentance in the Bible, I believe, has four aspects. First of all, repentance is to acknowledge my sin. Uh, it's, it's to acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I have broken God's word, that I have walked outside of his will for my life, and I'm basically willing to say about myself what God has already said about me, and that is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'm willing to agree with God and say, yes, I acknowledge my sin. I have sinned, and I am a sinner. But it's more than just acknowledging sin. It's also repentance in the Bible is also godly sorrow over sin. I not only acknowledge that I have sin, but I have a sorrow over that sin. Uh, and I'm not just sorry that I got caught. I'm not just sorry that I'm going to be punished, but I really am sorry that I have sinned against God in the first place. And then number three, repentance is also confession of sin. Uh, and this isn't confession to a man. This isn't confession to a priest. There's nowhere in the Bible that teaches us to confess our sins to another man expecting that he has any power to forgive us. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the only mediator between man and God, and he's the only one that we can go to. He's the only one that we can confess our sin to. He's the only one that has the power to forgive us and to cleanse us. And in fact, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin to Jesus, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then finally, not only is repentance the acknowledgement of my sin and having godly sorrow over my sin and confessing and receiving forgiveness of my sin from Jesus, but repentance is finally turning away from my sin. Uh, I'm not going to keep going in the wrong direction. I'm not going to keep habitually committing the same sin, but I'm going to turn away from that sinful lifestyle, from that sinful pattern, and I'm going to turn to Jesus Christ and ask him to be my Savior and Lord. And here's what we understand from the Scripture. People that have eternal life and people that have an assurance of eternal life are people that have believed and are believing and have received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And so I would ask you today, have you ever believed in and received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because if you haven't, then you don't have eternal life. And if you have believed in Jesus Christ, and if you have received him, then not only do you have eternal life, but you have every reason to have a confidence and assurance about your eternal life. But as we're thinking about whether we have really believed in Jesus Christ or not, let's make sure that our belief looks like what I have described from the Bible. Let's make sure that our belief isn't uh, something less than what's biblically required. And then I want us to see a fourth thing. People that have eternal life and people that have assurance of eternal life are people that base their assurance on the teaching and promises of God's Word. People that have eternal life and people that have an assurance of eternal life are people that base their assurance and base their eternal life on the teaching and promises of God's Word. In other words, I'm not believing that I have eternal life, and I'm not basing my assurance of eternal life on the fact that I grew up in a Christian home, or the fact that I go to church, or the fact that I'm a church member, 
or the fact that I've been baptized or the fact that I'm a part of some religion or the fact that I pray or the fact that I give money or the fact that I do good works. Uh, you say, I've talked to many people before and I would ask them, do you know that you have eternal life? Are you sure that you're saved? And, and a lot of times they would say, well, I, I think I am. I hope I am. I pray that I am. And I would say, well, well, why do you think that you're saved? Why, why do you think that you have eternal life? And what they would describe to me is something, uh, they believe that, you know, well, I've done this and I've been a part of this and I think I'm a pretty good person. And it's no wonder that they don't have eternal life. And it's no wonder that they don't have an assurance of eternal life because they're basing their eternal life and they're basing their assurance of their eternal life on something that they have done or something that they have accomplished. And my friends, there's nothing that we can do and there's nothing that we could ever do to earn or to merit eternal life. Eternal life only comes through Jesus Christ. And that's what God's Word teaches us. And when we base our eternal life on the teachings of God's Word, rather than on our opinions, rather than on our good works, rather than on our abilities or something that we have done to try to accomplish eternal life, when we base our eternal life and the assurance of our eternal life on the true teachings of the Word of God, that it's only through Jesus Christ that I have no hope other than Jesus Christ, uh, then, my friends, we can have eternal life and we can have an assurance of eternal life. And then finally, people that have eternal life and people that have an assurance of eternal life are people that never stop believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. And we see that in verse 13. He says, These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And so we see that fourth point there in the first part of verse 13, and that is that people who have eternal life and have an assurance of eternal life are those that base their assurance on the teachings of the Word of God because he says there in the first part of verse 13, these things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you are basing your eternal life and your confidence in your eternal life on the scriptures, on the Bible, on the truth of God's word, then you not only can have eternal life, but an assurance of it. But then we also see in the latter part of verse 13 that those people that have eternal life and an assurance of eternal life are those that never stop believing, trusting, and following Jesus Christ. Because it says at the end of verse 13, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And so people that have eternal life and people that have an assurance of eternal life are not just people that, you know, at some point 20 or 30 years ago or five years ago, they went down one Sunday morning and had some uh, momentary religious experience or they went down and joined the church and that was the end of it or they went down and they got baptized and they're basing their salvation, they're basing their everlasting life, their eternal life uh, on some you know, 20-word prayer or on uh, the fact that they got wet in the baptistry or on the fact that you know, so many years ago they joined the church. No, people that have eternal life and have an assurance of eternal life are people 
that are still following Jesus Christ, and they're going to continue to follow Jesus Christ all the days of their life. And so as you examine your life, uh, one of the things we can do is look at our lives and be honest with ourselves and say, am I following Jesus Christ? Am I truly following Jesus Christ every day of my life? Am I trusting him in him? Am I believing in him? Am I following him as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? Uh, because the Bible says that those that endure to the end will be saved. Uh, and I think what the Bible's teaching there and what Bible's teaching in 1 John chapter 5 and the latter part of verse 13 that we just read is this. A person that truly has eternal life is a person that's not going to stop following Jesus Christ. You see, I have had conversations before with religious people, and and uh, I think they're confused by something that we see going on in the world, and that is there's a lot of people that at some point in the past, years ago, they made some kind of decision, they prayed some kind of prayer, they joined the church, they were baptized, they had some kind of religious or emotional experience, and then later on, they stopped believing in or following Jesus Christ. And many people look at those people and they say, well, uh, they were saved, they did have eternal life, but now they're not saved. They no longer have eternal life. They've lost their salvation. My friends, let me tell you something. The Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that we can lose our salvation. In fact, everywhere in the Bible uh, that speaks about salvation, that speaks about eternal life, uh, speaks about it as something that we can have an assurance of. It speaks about it in a way that when we're in the hand of God, that nothing can take us out of the hand of God. That once the Holy Spirit is in us, once we have salvation, we are sealed with that salvation for redemption. That once we're in the family of God, that once we're children of God, we can never come out of the family of God or stop being the children of God. You see, eternal life, the very word itself, the very definition of eternal life means life without end. It, it is contradictory to the very word and term itself to say that somebody at some point in the past received eternal life and then later on, they stopped having eternal life. Eternal life means life without end. It means that once we have been saved, we will never stop being saved. It means once we have eternal life, it's something that never comes to an end. And so the Bible says, finally, that a person who has eternal life and a person who has an assurance of eternal life is a person that is following and will never stop following and believing in Jesus Christ. So my friend today, as we look at these things, as we look at these different characteristics of people that have eternal life and have an assurance of eternal life, I would ask us today to ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves, do we have these characteristics? Do we have these things in our life? And my friend, I would suggest to you today, based on the authority of the Word of God, that if you don't have these things in your life, if you're not believing in these things, if, if these characteristics are not true of you, then my friends, there's no way that you have eternal life, and there's no way that you can have an assurance of eternal life.
But the good news is today is that the Bible says these things, God says these things I have written to you so that you can know that you have eternal life. And so my friends today, my prayer for all of us is that we would have eternal life through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. And that having that eternal life, that God would give us an assurance of that eternal life that would allow us to live not only an abundant life on this earth, an abundant Christian life on this earth, but would allow us to live an eternal life with our Savior in heaven after we die physically. Thank God that he has provided a way for us to have eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. And thank God that we can have a confidence and an assurance in that eternal life. May you have that today, my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Eternal life is much more than just going to heaven when you die, but it's meant to be an abundant life here and now as well. This is Saved to the Uttermost with Evangelist Brian Tyndall, President of Uttermost Evangelism. And today, if you don't have that assurance of salvation, we want to help you find that assurance. To help, Brian's written an easy-to-read booklet entitled, Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. And in it, he examines the five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. And we'd like to send you a copy absolutely free. All you have to do is ask when you contact us. Grab a pen and I'll give you the contact info in just a bit. Brian's message today was part one of a study entitled, Do You Know That You Have Eternal Life? And you can download a copy of it along with the book when you visit uttermostevangelism.org. In fact, you can listen to all of Brian's radio messages there as well, uttermostevangelism.org. If you prefer to write, address your letter to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Again, that's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. You can call us as well, 662-372-1912 is the number, 662-372-1912. However you contact us, we would love to hear from you, especially if you want a printed copy of Brian's book, Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. Just ask for it when you get in touch with us. Save to the Uttermost comes to you from Uttermost Evangelism, reaching out to the uttermost parts of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brian Tyndall travels all over the world preaching open-air crusades, church revivals, and evangelistic events in prisons and schools, as well as teaching pastors and church leaders how to more effectively communicate the gospel and evangelize the lost. If you'd like to help support our work, please send your tax-deductible donation to P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863, or give online at uttermostevangelism.org. Your support helps kingdom growth. Thanks in advance for your prayers and financial support. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through Him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism. 
Pontotoc, Mississippi.